Good morning, good morning, Current Church. It is so good to be with you this morning and uh, just to have the privilege and the opportunity to continue on in your teaching series onward. I love the way your leadership has been encouraging you through this series, through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and the way they framed it as well, um, especially coming out of the season we have just come out of, or hopefully are coming out of, coming out of the year uh, that we've come out of, moving onward, going from just surviving to not only thriving personally, but also to moving in, to partnering with God in the life-giving eternal work uh, that He longs to do in our lives and through our lives. And so I am so thankful for this opportunity. Uh, I wish I could be with you in person uh, to see you all just like you probably uh, yearn to be back together as a church family. Um, but to, to kick us off, I just want to start with one big idea that uh, Pastor David shared with me, and I love this big idea that helps frame this teaching series. Uh, Pastor David says it this way, to live a life of power is to live a life of faith. To live a life of power is to live a life of faith. And before we get into the text and the outline and everything we're going to be talking about today, I just want to take a quick moment to honor your leadership, Pastor David, his wife, Cindy, and all that they do for the church, for your church, to live a life of faith. From planting the church uh, several years ago now, to leading through the pandemic, to making preparations to regather again in a brand new location, outdoor worship. I praise God for your leaders, and I pray that right now that you would just take a moment to thank God for Pastor David and Cindy and the entire leadership of Current Church and all they do to lead you onward in faith. And I believe Current Church is going to continue to remain a powerful church in the Bay Area, a powerful church in Silicon Valley because of the faith of your leaders. Now, as we talk about what uh, we're going to jump into today, I have a attention question, a question that the scripture is going to answer. We're going to continue on in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, and look at uh, one character in particular, and here's my attention question for this morning. How did the enigmatic Enoch live a life of faith? We're talking about living a life of power, and to live a life of power, you have to live a life of faith. Well, in Hebrews 11, we come across one biblical character who is commended for his faith, and his name is Enoch. Now, I use this word enigmatic for those of you who are unfamiliar with the biblical character of Enoch. Uh, he's quite the mystery. He is one of only two Old Testament biblical characters who did not experience death, who did not experience death. And so what I'm going to do for you is read the Hebrews 11 passage that we're going to teach through this morning. I'm going to give you an outline for our message, and then we'll jump right in. And so hopefully you're ready this morning to study God's Word, and not just to study God's Word so you can know more about God's Word, but to study God's Word so that your life 
can be changed. Your life can be changed. And ultimately, so you can come to a deeper level of worship of our Heavenly Father. And so with all of that said, let's jump into the book of Hebrews and let's see what the writer has to say about this enigmatic Enoch. The scripture says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So he was taken up by God. He did not experience death. And before experiencing this death, he was commended as having pleased God. The text goes on to say, and without faith, a very popular verse, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What is the deal with this Enoch? How did he have such great faith? How was he commended for having pleased God, and why didn't he experience death? Here's the outline for today's message. We're going to go back into the Genesis account that tells the brief story of Enoch to see what else we can learn about him. What's Enoch's story? The second question we're going to answer is, how did Enoch exactly please God? After we understand that about Enoch, then we're going to build the bridge to our lives in 2021. How can we please God? How can we have a faith that pleases God? And be sure you stay till the end because I am so excited about how this particular aspect of Enoch's life and how we can please God is Enoch please God. And, and the good advice that that is points to, to better news uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to close with the good news. And so with all of that, let's go to Genesis and let's see what Moses writes about Enoch. Let's see what else we can learn about Enoch above and beyond what the writer of Hebrews has to say. And, and this is what Moses writes in the book of Genesis. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Now, for those of you Bible nerds and you want to be ready for a Bible quiz at any point, no one does that anymore, but uh, Methuselah happens to be uh, the oldest person to ever live in, in, the, New, uh, in the Old Testament, and so, uh, and I think the oldest person recorded ever to live, and I believe uh, is 969 years old, and so Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So he lived to 365 years old, and then God took him. We don't know much more about Enoch's life. And so moving quickly through the outline here, let me just give you the summary of Enoch's life. Enoch, he had Methuselah. He lived 365 years. He walked with God. He never died. Why? Because God took him. And that's why when I use the word enigmatic, you might say, yeah, what a, 
what a weird story of someone's life. And so the next question, because Hebrews does tells us that he he pleased God. How did Enoch please God? What was it about his life that maybe God spared his life, took him? Why was he commended in the book of Hebrews? Let's look at that now, because as we start to make a way towards, okay, you don't just want to know what Enoch did. What does this mean for us in our lives? Let's take a look. Hebrews again says this, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. What we know about Enoch is he pleased God. And it goes on to say, Hebrews eleven five, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Enoch pleased God because he had faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here we get a clue into this faith that Enoch had. What was it about Enoch's faith that pleased God? And I know for some of you, you might be following along. This might seem very elementary, but sometimes it's the most simple principles, right? That we need to be able to see and apply to our lives. So let me move quickly here. What do we see in this very plain text about Enoch's faith? Enoch pleased God because he believed God existed and he believed God rewarded. The text says that he believed God existed and he believed that God rewarded those who diligently seek after him. God existed, God rewarded. These are the things for Enoch to have a faith that pleased God. These are the things that Enoch believed. So let's continue on. How can we please God? And I'm going to slow down a little bit here. Because you might be thinking, oh my gosh, is this message going to be seven minutes long? Uh, no, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. But we're going to start to now build the bridge to us. If you want to move onward, if you want to go from just surviving to thriving to partnering with God in, in, in his eternal work, if you want to have a faith that pleases God, here are the two questions. One, do you believe God exists and do you believe God rewards. Today, we're going to talk about a God who rewards. I'm not going to spend too much time with believing uh, whether or not you believe God exists. I know many of you, if you're tuning in and are a part of virtual church this morning, out of all the things you could have done, you tuned in to current church. Um, something tells me you already believe God exists. And so, Praise God for that, that you're on the way to having a faith that pleases God. Just by believing God exists, that's something that God commends. And maybe if you are watching today and you don't believe God exists, I know we are glad to have you. Praise God that you have joined us for church this morning and that you are opening yourself up to to what God may have to say and, and considering whether or not he's real. I know current church, I know Pastor David and Cindy, they started this church for people just like you if you don't believe God exists. But today we're going to focus on, do you believe God rewards? Do you believe God rewards? And I think this is an important attribute of God to consider because if we slow down for a minute, 
I just want to start by, by asking you this. How do you identify with God? What, what attributes do you identify with him most? Uh, let me put up a list for you. Because here we are. We want to live a life that pleases God. We want to have a faith that pleases God. To have a life that pleases God, we have to believe that God rewards. Well, I think a lot of us see God as Father. He's our Lord. He's our King. He's our Savior, friend. Maybe some of you in fear, right? He's a judge, and one day he's coming back, back to, to judge. Maybe many of you, you, you see God as provider, sustainer, deliverer. He's, he's your defender throughout this crazy year that we have and coming into a new year that's had craziness of its own. You see him as someone who protects you and prayerfully will deliver you. And so I just would want you to consider now, how do you see your heavenly father? How do you relate to God? Because I believe what the scripture is encouraging us to do here is not to only relate to him in these ways, but also to relate to him as a rewarder, that God rewards. God rewards. And I know so many of us have backed away from a theology around God rewarding because we don't want to venture into what is known as a, a prosperity theology, a name it and claim it theology, where I only look at God as some cosmic genie. And if I go to church and if I read the Bible, he's going to bless me. Uh, definitely. There's some unhealthy ways to approach God as it relates to him being someone who is just here who he created me and in serving him and in going to church, I do it for the simple fact of so my life can be healthy and whole and good and, and I can live as comfortable as a life as possible. There, there's definitely some problems with seeing God as a cosmic genie in that way. But I think it's a tragedy that because we have avoided wanting to have a prosperity theology, we have come off the biblical truth that God rewards those who diligently seek after him. This is a promise. And, and let's see it again. What, what does he reward in particular? Are we talking about rewarding good behavior? Are we talking about rewarding us when we give, when we serve? Well, what Enoch believed, what pleased God about Enoch's faith was that he believed not only that he existed, but that he rewarded those who seek him, who seek him. And so here's the, the bridge I want to draw, the statement I want to give to you very plain and simple, that it pleases God doesn't only please God when you go to church. It, don't, it doesn't only please God when you read your Bible. It doesn't only please God when you are serving others and giving to the needy. We have to see from this text here, it pleases God when we believe God rewards us when we seek him. And for some of you, it might just be like, oh, that's weird. I don't want to think about God rewarding me. I don't, but it's what the text says. 
he pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. And, and to have this type of faith, you got to believe that he exists. You've got to believe that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. And this isn't only found in this text in Hebrews. What I want to do over the next several moments is just take you through several texts, several texts that show this promise of God rewarding those who seek him. I just want to take you on a, a quick survey of the scriptures to show you how this principle is all throughout the scriptures. We could be sure that God rewards those who seek him for these reasons. Let's take a look at First Chronicles. If you seek him, he'll make sure you find him. He will reward your seeking by you finding him. The next text in Proverbs. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. And those who seek me will find me. Jeremiah. Many of us are familiar with Jeremiah 21, 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. Great Bible verse to memorize. I think 29, 13, and 14 is one we should memorize as well. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. This was God's promise to the nation of Israel. When you seek me, you will find me. When you get serious about finding me, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Another text says it this way in Matthew, not just Old Testament, but New Testament. You're probably familiar with this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. When you seek God, you will be rewarded. You will have everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. Matthew 7, 7 says it this way. Ask. Keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. As I studied these scriptures about seeking after God, I, I realized that if you want to beat God at something, it's a weird thought. If, if you, how, how could God lose? It seems to me like God always loses in a game of hide and seek. Remember that old game, hide and seek, count to 10, come find me. You will always, the repetitive thing found here, you will always find God when you seek him. He will reward you. And I just, I'm going to share in just a few moments um, some ways to seek after God, some, some practical ways to seek after God. But I just want to stop here for a moment and, and just share my own personal journey with seeking after the Lord. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and for many years I was taught to, to read the Bible and seek the Lord. And if I'm being honest, my seeking of the Lord was, was primarily an ends to, like I said before, God was my cosmic genie. And I wanted him to work out all the things in my life. 
I wanted him to work out my financial situation. I wanted him to work out my relationships. And I wanted him to have favor on my life. And I wanted to be blessed. And so the primary reason why I sought the Lord was so that my life could could be better. Now, not that there's anything wrong with the benefits of Christianity, but it wasn't because I love the Lord for who the Lord was. Good, powerful, holy, righteous. And I've got to tell you, when I started seeking the Lord for just who he was, it changed everything about my Christianity. Because what I found is, you know, the scripture says when you seek the Lord, when you have faith and you believe that he rewards those who diligently seek after them or after him, that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. Let me just share this with you. The reward wasn't necessarily the comforts of life, though I experienced many comforts of life, though the reward wasn't God straightening out my future and helping me see his plans for me that though those things have happened the reward for me has ultimately been God himself and I just wonder current church how many of you if after you do all this church thing arrived at just God himself and not his gifts though he gives many Would that be enough if the reward was God himself? And let me just tell you from personal experience, though I have loved his blessings, God himself, his goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness, his character, his holiness, his righteousness, his love, it has been so satisfying And before I move on to some practical ways, I think if you really want to move onward, if you want to go from surviving to thriving to partnering with God, I've just got to tell you, and once again, this is just as a pastor living out this Christianity thing in real life. Man, if 2021 current church, you could get to the place where in all of your serving, in all of your striving, in all of your doing for the Lord, there was a satisfaction in in who God is for who he is rather than for what he could do. For me, that's when I started moving onward. When I was able to worship God for who he is apart from what he could do for me. And so that's been my experience. He truly is and has been the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who drinks from my well will never go thirsty. Current church, I hope that is your experience increasingly in 2021. And uh, for maybe for those of you who desire that, Um, you would just say amen right there in your seat. I know no one's really looking around, but you would just say amen. I want God to be my ultimate reward. Not what God rewards, but I want God to be my ultimate reward. And when you seek him in a game of hide and seek, he will always be that reward. Now, what are some practical ways 
practical ways that you can seek after God. These are going to be obvious to you, but I just want to encourage you not to grow weary in these following ways of seeking after God. Current church, I encourage you, continue to seek him in the scriptures. Come on, if you're being honest, some of you, you've given up on your Bible reading plan already. Come on, it's only mid-February. And no condemnation for that. But I just encourage you today, just recommit yourself. Not to finishing a Bible plan. Not to checking off a box. But recommit yourself to studying the scriptures so you can seek after God. Because the type of faith that pleases God is a faith that believes that he exists. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him in the scriptures. Who diligently seek him in prayer. I know some of you have, have grown weary in praying prayers, especially if they've been unanswered. Prayers for healing, prayers for breakthrough, prayers for financial provision. And I just encourage you, continue seeking God in prayer. And maybe you don't only seek God in prayer, not just for him to answer your prayers, but how about you continue to seek God in prayer because he's worthy of being sought. He's worthy of being trusted. He's worthy of your faith one more time saying, God, heal me. God, bring my son who has stopped believing in you back to faith. God, Help me of this addiction. Help me one more time. God, forgive me of this besetting sin. I encourage you to continue to seek God in prayer. And last but not least, especially in these very isolating times, I encourage you, continue to seek God in community as a part of the body of Christ, especially as current church looks to resume regathering outdoors. I just want to admonish you, encourage you, get in on that. I know many of you are excited about that, but I want to talk to maybe the five, seven people who you're just in fear. And I'm not saying, obviously, your leadership is going to take all the precautions and do all the things and I'm not saying to have a blind faith, but I just want to encourage you to seek God in community as you guys open back up and as you guys begin to meet again, I encourage you, get involved with that. As I've had the opportunity, uh, our church is still currently, um, you know, going online and doing that whole deal. And hopefully in the coming weeks and months, we will be moving towards regathering again. I've had the opportunity to, to gather at some other churches who are gathered. And I've just got to tell you, there is something about the gathering of the people of God together to worship the Lord in song, to sit under the teaching of God's word, that he just meets you there in a supernatural way. And so I want to encourage you, seek God in community, not only with the gatherings on Sundays, but as your church continues to hold small groups and Zoom groups, whatever it might be, that you seek the Lord in community. Believing that as you seek him, you will find him. As you seek him, God will reward you. Why? Because the scripture says it. God rewards those who diligently seek after him. So that's some good advice. That hopefully is an interpretation of the text 
that serves you well as a Christian? How can you have a life that pleases God? Well, we'll take our cues from enigmatic Enoch. We will believe the things that Enoch believed that please God. We'll believe God exists and we'll believe God rewards those who seek after him. Hopefully that's some some good advice for you. Hopefully that encourages you today. But what I love about Christianity, what I love about gospel-centered Christianity is gospel-centered Christianity isn't just about the Bible and a bunch of scriptures that help us get to God, help us have a better relationship with God. Though these things are great and they're very helpful with our relationship with God, there's something more powerful than living like the people in the scriptures lived and aspiring to have the faith that they have. Though we want to do that, I'm telling you, there's something better than seeking after God. There's better news than seeking after God is something God rewards. Because that's the point today, in case you missed it, the big point today is seeking after God is something that God rewards. But what if I told you there's better news than that? There's better news than than God will reward you if you diligently seek him. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying there's something better. And to close our message today, we're going to close with the gospel of Jesus Christ as seen through the account of Zacchaeus. For those of you who grew up in church, you'll know, you'll remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. For those of you who are new to Bible study, you're like, man, that's offensive. What is this wee little man? Well, let me take you into the New Testament account of a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And we're going to learn a little bit more about seeking after God, but better than seeking after God, we're going to find something out about God himself. Let's take a look at this as we close our time together today. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And many of you, you know, who study the Bible know these tax collectors were, were hated in that day because they, in many ways, were abusing their position and they were taking more than what they should have been taking. And so they took advantage of people. And so Zacchaeus was one of these tax collectors and he was seeking. There's that word. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. So Zacchaeus is on the right track. God rewards those who diligently seek after him. And Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Vertically challenged. Come on, somebody. And so this was Zacchaeus. The account goes on to say, So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So Jesus was walking along. There's a lot of people uh, gathered on the streets. And because Zacchaeus is vertically challenged, he needs to climb up in a sycamore tree. Now, I just want to have a brief digression here to say, man, sometimes seeking after Jesus, you're going to have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. 
You're going to have to do something out of the ordinary. You're going to have to wake up a little bit earlier. You're going to have to go to a church service with double masks on, and it's a little bit uncomfortable. But, but you know it's what God is leading you to do to seek after God. But you have to log on to a Zoom, and you don't want to log on to Zoom. And, and I just want to say there's something about Zacchaeus's heart here of doing the difficult thing to seek after God. How uncomfortable are you willing to get to seek after God? And so Zacchaeus did the hard thing. He climbed up so that he could put his eyes on this Jesus. And what happens next? And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. Look at how God rewards Zacchaeus' seeking. So he hurried and came down, and Jesus received Zacchaeus. This scandalous tax collector, he received him joyfully. Um, Luke goes on to write in this account, and when they saw it, they all grumbled, all the people watching. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. These haters were like, why is Jesus hanging out with Zacchaeus? He steals from all of us. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Look what happened when Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. His life was changed. He gave half of his goods to the poor. He committed to do that. And anyone who he had cheated, he said, I'm going to pay it back four times over. Little point I just want to make here is simply this. For those of you who may be wondering, have I sought the Lord? And as I've been seeking the Lord, have I found the Lord? Let me tell you how you know if you've sought the Lord and if you've found the Lord. If you've changed. If you aren't who you used to be. If you are different, if your actions change, the way you approach your money, the way you approach relationships, the way you approach sex, the way you approach your politics, if it hasn't been changed and made more into the image of Christ, I don't know if you've seen the Lord or not. I don't know if you've found the Lord or not. Because let me tell you this, I just, from experience, when you see God, everything changes. You cannot encounter the living God and do all the same things that you used to do. But if you have been changed from glory to glory, you are probably seeking and finding the Lord. More digressions. Here's the big part of the good news. Here's what I came to really say to you today. If you remember anything, it's this, as this narrative closes. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said salvation came to Zacchaeus, but more importantly than salvation coming to this house. The reason salvation came to the house wasn't as much about Zacchaeus seeking Jesus as much as it is about Jesus coming to seek and save us. And that's the good news, friends. Where other religions would line up, here's all the things you have to do to get to God. 
And even as I've, I've done that today, I've said here, find him in the scriptures, find him in community, find him in gathering, find him in prayer. As much as that's good advice, I love the fact that I get to stand here today and say Christianity is less about you seeking God and more about his one mission to seek and save the lost. How many of you are encouraged by the fact, let's just say many of you feel guilty about not having sought the Lord in scriptures this past week, not having sought the Lord in community. Maybe you haven't been seeking as you desire to seek. Let me just encourage you, friends. It's more about Jesus seeking you. And even this message today, hopefully you can feel it in your bones. Jesus is coming after you. In the same way that I said, God always loses in a game in hide and seek, you will always find him. Let me tell you, you will always lose in a game in hide and seek as well. How many of you are thankful that you always lose in a game of hide and seek with God? That when he sets out to find us, he will. And some of you can remember that day where you were when God found you. He found you in your sin. He found you running from him. He found you despising him. He found you lonely. He found you angry. He found you frustrated. How many of you are thankful that God comes to seek and save the lost? And I just want to tell you, he will not stop seeking after you. He will not stop running after you. He loves you. And yes, God does reward those who diligently seek after him. But you will be most, you will be most compelled to seek after him when you realize while you were yet a sinner, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Christ died for me. The good news is we have relationship with God, not because we seek after him, but because in his sovereignty and in his love, he desires relationship with us and he seeks after us. Imagine a Christianity. Not where you're just getting it right seeking after God. I mean, that's, we all aspire, read the Bible more, pray more, seek God in community. We all aspire to that. And I don't want to come off of that one bit, but I would rather us leave this message today, not thinking about as much what we have to do to get to God, but being in awe of the fact that God, infinite creator of the universe comes to seek and save wretched sinners like you and me. And so maybe even the person who you love who does not know Jesus, yes, you witness. Yes, you do your best to share the gospel. But just know you serve a God who's going to get to that person one way or another, just like he got to you and just like he's going to continue to get to you. I pray that current church would be a place for many years to come where people experience not just how to seek after God in greater measure, 
but to experience the God who seeks after them. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the gospel. That you love us. You seek after us. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that, yes, I thank you for the promise that I'm rewarded if I seek after you. That it's a faith that pleases you, that believes you exist and and diligently seeks after you, that you reward those who seek after you. I thank you for that promise. But God, I just want anyone tuning in today to just fall to their knees in worship because ultimately you seek after us. And that is so securing for me. That is such good news for me, Lord, for someone who grows weary in seeking you. You will never grow weary in seeking and saving those who are lost. We love you for that. We praise you for that. Help us to move onward in that glorious gospel truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.